Welcome to the PG Growth Planned Giving Podcast. Thank you for joining me on the Plan Giving Podcast from PG Growth. My name is Ed Sluga. Today is the third in our three-part series with Peter Barrow, looking at the concepts of being worthy and prepared and how they work in the Plan Giving context. Peter and I wrote Worthy and Prepared some years ago, and what Worthy and Prepared outlined was the two main notions in a donor's mind when they look at a charity. Is the charity worthy of my money, and is the charity prepared to use my money to fulfill its mission in the world. Before we get to the podcast, wanted to comment on a listener email I received after the second part of our three-part series. The comment focused on a part of the discussion that Peter and I had in the second part of the three-part series, which focused on being prepared. In that discussion, Peter and I looked at financial measures, cost per dollar raise in this particular case, and how they articulate efficiency in the use of donated dollars as a way that donors use to perceive the organization as being prepared. And of course, that is a current way that organizations are perceived. But in the listener's comment, they rightly point out that there are more and more nuanced and more charity-specific ways to measure a charity's preparedness to carry out its mission in the world. The impact that the donations are having to fulfill that mission is another one. And that was rightly pointed out by the listener. Impact is extraordinarily important as well. In other words, it's more than just the financial measure borrowed from the financial world that charities must be measured against. The metrics that charities use are richer and deeper and more nuanced than some of the financial world's measures. And some of those financial world's measures have been, of course, placed upon us by others. And that's something that charities need to look into, and that will be the focus of an upcoming podcast. But until then, the comment made was a good one, and one that we all should take to heart. So here is the third part in our three-part series with Peter Barrow. Peter, we spent some time in the last two podcasts talking about conceptually what worthy and prepared means and how it relates to legacy giving or planned giving. Um, but frankly, most organizations, although these are concepts, we have to admit that they're uh, running on a, a very tight ship, um, low resources, those sorts of things. So let's, let's think about, on both the worthy side and the prepared side, three things that somebody listening to this podcast can put on their to-do <laughs> list that they, they can get going right away. Low cost... Uh, efficient things that they can take steps to do to move their program, their department, or their organization forward in ensuring that they're worthy and prepared. So let's first think about being worthy. When we think about that, what are three things that I can put tomorrow on my to-do list and and start working on uh, and getting my organization moving so it's better articulating 
why it is worthy. I, I think three of them, and we've alluded to them in previous podcasts, and I think three would be one, I would, and not necessarily in this order, but I think all three are important. One is I would take, I would take a really hard, good, strong look at my board of directors and I would ask myself, is, is my board of directors as strong and um, reflective of where I want to be in the marketplace as it could be? You spoke, for example, about, um, you know, do I, do I have a, a, a top level accountant in the community on my board? Um, we're not trying to be judgmental when we look at the board. All of them have probably signed on for good reasons. But honestly, we need a board today, particularly, that's reputable, that has skill sets that will help us to grow, and that is strong enough to uh, tell us when we're doing well and when we're not doing well. So I think the first thing I would do, if I was an executive director or the CEO, I, I would really take a step back and analyze my board. The second thing I'd do from a worthy kind of notion, again, you've referred to it in an earlier podcast, I would, I would take a very strong look at my case statement and really ask myself, and I would get other people to scan it objectively and who, who I trust, and I'd say, does this case statement make sense? Is it engaging? Does it give me a unique point in the universe? Is it my destiny proposition? Uh, I'll make you a small bet, and I, I know you would not take the bet because you'd agree with it. Um, most case statements do not do that. Uh, they're very... One of the things I think we have to remember is that our passion is not necessarily the donor's passion right away. It's our job to create and engage that passion. So the case study has to be written from the perspective of, can it connect to a donor who is not necessarily a member of the choir and being pro a member of the converted, right? So yes. that's the second thing. And the third and last thing I think is, which goes along with it is, you know, really do... Our, if we look at our mission statement and our value statement, um, we really need, in a sense, to do kind of a little mission and values audit. Are we really living those mission and values? And if we're not, then what are we doing out there in the marketplace talking about them and saying that we have them? We need to be strong-minded about that. So those three things, board, um, case, mission, uh, they sound kind of vague. They're absolutely essential from a worthy perspective. I would start there. Absolutely. And just a couple of comments on that before we turn our eyes to the worthy or the prepared part of this. On the missions or the case statement, sorry, one of the things is there can be extensive case statements written, but they may not, and again, we're thinking about this a little bit in the plan giving context, they may not be directed at the plan giving universe. Right. They may not be directed a lot of times. A case for support uh, documents are focused on the need currently, which is powerful and necessary. Um, and they're written in that particular way. They're written to, to focus on what the emergent need is, not emergency, but emergent right. need, where the, the plan giving case for support is about the long-term vision. And oftentimes it's hard to believe, and this, this will relate to the second part with the mission, but it's hard to believe that cases for support often have nothing to do with the vision or the mission of the organization. A lot of times they have to do with the thing that we require. Right. And, right. Uh, and, and so that's really, a, a, I think, a, a, you know, extension of your point. And I, and I really like your last point. I, it, it goes back to the old saying, you know, the, the cobbler's children go without shoes. Right. Oftentimes, uh, organizations are living a mission um, uh, sorry, they have a mission to do some really great uh, thing in the world, but internally 
they're not living that mission. Right. In fact, you know, they wish to eradicate poverty or they wish to uh, eradicate something in the world. And but they're they're doing good. And one of the things about the not-for-profit sector is that we have to live the mission overall. When someone walks in, it has to feel like a different place. Right. And I, I say this in a little way because there is a move to corporatize all of our organizations. And when we think about worthy and prepared, we have to make sure it's in the not-for-profit context. Excellent. A lot of people coming from the outside, from the profit center uh, sector of our economy, which is very necessary, wonderful ways of disrupting our processes. We can be a bit sleepy, but it can affect us living our mission because we're thinking about it in a different way. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's turn a little bit now to prepare. And some three things that we believe we could do uh, on the side of being prepared. Um, again, you would love to put them down as, you know, I need to get to these by the end of the month. What, right. what, what would be three things that come to mind that I can, as somebody, whether I'm a CEO of a small organization or whether I'm a head of a department of, of an organization or, or I'm the fundraiser, what are three things that I can help to achieve or to put into place very quickly to make our organization more prepared and be perceived as more prepared. Well, I think, and again, for some organizations, they may feel that they, these are already in place, but my experience is that very often they're, they're not as in place as they should be. I think the first is, honest, no matter how, what you call the position, um, whether it's the business officer or the financial officer or the bookkeeper or whatever you call it, that particular function that manages the day-to-day -day business of the operation, that person has to be First class. And uh, I work for an organization, I'm a volunteer, for example, on an organization where the business officer, she only works three days a week because they don't have very many resources, but she is absolutely first class. So when we have a board meeting, by the end of the day, the board has received the minutes, the draft minutes of that particular meeting with the action items. And the next day, there's a phone call from the business officer asking if they're, you know, we're moving it forward yes. all the time. Yeah. So I think the... I would, as, I would take a very good look at my back office financial business function, number one. If it's okay, good. If not, And let me say this. Uh, this is not about changing of staff. It's about making staff making them better. better. Making, making them, them better. better. Yes. Making yes. them stronger. Making yes. them stronger. Yeah. And in fact, I think uh, uh, this wouldn't actually be on my top three, but it would be very close. I, I think um, tra you know, training programs for staff and board uh, particularly today when the level of, uh, you know, the level of um, you know, governance excellence and the level of operational excellence has to be higher than ever. Training is essential and particularly in that function. Ed. So, yes, I would be looking, can I make my person stronger or better? And hopefully not, in the, but in the worst case scenario, do I have to fix that position? Um, I think the second one would be, and we talk about this a lot in the book, and I think donors really like this, that, you know, we do we do an operational audit. We bring somebody in and it doesn't have to be paid. And there are lots of volunteers who will do this. And we audit every single element of our business in terms of its efficiency and how well we're doing. We look at the back shop. We look at the marketing materials. We look at, you know, every element that we can do. So I would I think a second thing I would suggest is take a good, strong look at doing 
an operational audit and yeah, get and, that in place. And again, to the point, and, and, and this podcast is listened to by people who are CEOs of organizations, right. department heads and fundraisers, we can audit our function. You know, if we're not in a position to audit the entire organization and, and that falls perhaps on deaf ears, let's hope not. Right. But if, if we have a program, let's audit that program and let's make that program work under the, the tightest and best possible business operations. Right. And there are people who help you with that as well. Absolutely. And I think, I think uh, very often my experience, your experience has been that, yes, you may, have to, you may have to pay out a little bit of money to get some of those things done. But an awful lot of a very well and talent, very well, uh, uh, very experienced and talented and well-meaning volunteers can often help do it for you. Yeah. I mean, they'll come in and do it for you, and and that's how you engage them and so on. And I think on that line, Ed, the third thing that I would suggest would be because showing my bias as a marketer is that a tremendous amount of, of or a tremendous amount of um, opportunity is is sometimes lost to organizations because the marketing materials aren't strong enough. Um, particularly nowadays, the digital ones and the social media ones. And, you know, every organization embarks on a social media program. They don't realize how much time and effort and energy it takes. Um, so I would bring somebody in who was genuinely experienced and good to analyze my digital marketing program and my traditional one, make me five recommendations that I can do fairly quickly to improve it and get those done. So yeah. board, operational audit, Marketing would yeah. be my three. And on the marketing side, uh, we know a couple of things about, and again, specific to legacy giving and looking and being perceived as prepared. Uh, the vast majority of legacy gifts or planned gifts are done st in a stealth mode, right. very Quiet, quietly, very quiet. or and without the organization knowing anything about it. And what and what's happening is individuals are more and more. Um, slowly looking at your organization through its website. And um, you know, all of your marketing materials have to be first rate and you have to have them in all of the various channels. But more and more people are looking and I can't tell you how many websites I go to where the organization from a legacy giving point of view does not look prepared. Right. And, and that doesn't mean lots of stuff. There are some organizations you go to and they've got reams and reams of information on their website, most of it outdated, most of it uh, unnecessary, you know, long drawn out explanations of what a charitable remainder trust is, right. even though the organization has never written never one and likely right. will write one. Um, and that shows that you know lots of information can be actually worse than no information whatsoever. Right. Um, so you're absolutely right. Uh, understanding the needs of the donor, your donors, and making sure that that marketing materials and all of its channels are extraordinarily well thought out, uh, well, uh, regularly updated and looked at. Well, Peter, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been really great going over our book. It's wonderful to rethink our book after many years. And I think uh, the last three podcasts have really shown how worthy and prepared in the legacy giving context is really a powerful thing. Well, I appreciate the invitation, Ed. Thank you very much. And uh, I wish you every success with planned giving. Thank, Thank you. you. That was the last in our three-part series with Peter Barrow looking at worthy and prepared in the planned giving context. As always, if you'd like to send me a comment, please go right ahead and you can email me at ed at pggrowth.com. 
For more podcasts, you can visit us at www.pggrowth.com or you can go to iTunes or the Google Play Store to get the PG Growth Plan Giving Podcast. Thank you so much for listening.